Welcome to episode 24 of The God Learners, a podcast dedicated to uh, reading and role-playing in the mythical world of Florence. My name is Jörg. And I'm Lord Abdul, a.k.a. Ludovic, or Ludovic, a.k.a. Lord Abdul, I'm not sure. Not being sure is the, mot uh, the motto of today's show, because <laughs> we're going to have a God Learner debate. <laughs> uh, yes, there is. Like I think it's the first time we have had no guests since the beginning of the God Learner podcast. Yeah. So uh, it's just you and me. Uh, actually, I had some good comments uh, from people for last episode we had with Bud on our cat. Uh, lots of people noted that Bud managed to get you going uh, <laughs> about about our cat, or maybe you're you were just already fired up uh, for our cat or whatever. But uh, this time you have some like you want to go deeper into. Our catty history, and um, well, I'm not sure. Yeah, or really, what uh, what made the things happen? Yes. Yeah, and we couldn't really invite any guest to uh, be witness to the sort of possibly obscurism and pedantry that might happen in this episode. Um, so the, the, apparently, you you have our catty things to get out of your system. Oof. Yeah, well, nice and Lauren things too. Yeah, well, I mean, you're a bright guy, aren't you? So, it's <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, am I illuminated? We might learn. <laughs> so l last time we looked at our cat's life and accomplishments and min maxing and all that. Um, this time, uh, Jorg said, uh, that maybe we'll start with the other side. Like this is sort of the shadow episode of the, of the previous episode, I guess, which is appropriate given the, the topic. Uh, and the shadow being, of course, the light. It's very complicated. <laughs> so where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the God project and the birth of Nysalor yes. and all that? Okay, the God Project. Um, as you might know, uh, the Dawn Council uh, moved to Dorastor when funky new ruins were in, uh, found there with funky new magical items. Among these, uh, a very strange item called the Pseudo-Cosmic Egg. Okay, and it was, it was just lying around in Dorastor? I think it was in some secret uh, Feldici lab, which is uh, how that race was called that inhabited the place before. The what? The who? Uh, well, the Feldici. Yeah, I've never heard of them. They are mentioned in the Dorastor text uh, in the guide appendix. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, they were uh, they were already dead and uh, died out uh, when Dorastor was rediscovered. So to put all of this into context, this is like the mid 300s or something or early no, uh, well, um, the discovery of Dorostor was in the 120s or so 120s right so this is shortly after the beginning of time just like you know yeah. a century and a, a century half later, yeah. uh, people are still sort of i mean it's been a few generations since the dawn but people still yeah. seem at this point to be all happy and great everybody's friends the unity council is is ruling it's it's yes. uh, it's all great so some people from dragon pass move into this uh, green valley called dorastor and they find these shiny crystal uh, ruins there mm -hmm. not that ruined but uh, uninhabited mm -hmm. And lots of shiny stuff uh, to be discovered there, vaults to be opened. And in one of these vaults or whatever, 
there was this pseudo-cosmic egg. Very powerful artifact, which had profound uh, consequences uh, just for being near it. Like what? Uh, probably spreading some form of enlightenment or some urge to breed it. Oh, okay. Nice. So do we know what like what what it is actually or what what the the people who had it uh who they were or anything like that uh we don't know no we don't okay. even know whether the Ferdici uh, created it or just found it mm -hmm. i have a very weird theory i'm going to put to paper sometime uh, that it was a child of mostar okay but uh That's uh, under the assumption that Mostal is a von Neumann probe. That Mostal is a what? Mostal, the word machine, is really a von Neumann probe. Oh. Establishing a universe in the void. Right. Okay. Yes. And this egg will, uh, would have been one of eight, in my theory, <laughs> uh, which would then uh, be seeded elsewhere and create another Glorantha or something like it. <laughs> But uh, Mostar was damaged when Yumas was born, and so uh, this egg was never hatched. Right. But that's a very weird and uh, totally uncanonical theory. I mean, it's fine, you know. Uh, it, it's always good to bring some sci-fi, uh, like science, science fantasy elements to uh, Glorantha. Uh, for people who are not super familiar with the Voniman probe, I think as far as I remember, they are some sort of self-replicating space drones yes. that um, help terraform and create uh, habitation in a semi-automated fashion or something like that. Yes, like a world machine. I, I never thought of the world machine that way, but I guess that works. <laughs> 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 but um anyway so they find yeah. they find this, this pseudo cosmic egg and yeah. of course it doesn't come with any manual no uh the people who studied it before are long dead mm -hmm. nobody knows why but they still know what to do with it or they 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 get uh, a, the egg sort of suggests itself uh to do something with it okay And so people start to think that they could create the perfect uh, god from it. Mm -hmm. uh, I um, mean, my my theory about this is that it's been you know almost a couple centuries since the dawn when the gods got separated from the mortals with by the great compromise. And you know, yes. my own theory is that people were like, "Hey, it was nice when we had the gods around. Why can't we have?" that again and that's why they want to create a god but um, yeah. that may uh, may be one of the motives yeah mm -hmm. or motivations um so yes um the original uh Olanthi on the council are now replaced by a, a new guy from talaster mm -hmm. guy by the name loka mayadon and yeah he has some struggle with some local Olanthi from the baroness tally tribe It grows into a big feud, and that feud carries over into the next war. Okay. It's uh, sort of important because uh, this these were the ancestors of Hamast. Okay. So, I mean, let's just put the pin on in yes. Lokamayadon, not in a voodoo doll kind of way, <laughs> but just in a yeah. sort of, we'll get back to him later. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, they're still just yeah. trying to make a new god. 
Yeah. One uh, thing that may have led to this uh, new movement was the uh, that Dara Hapa, which had been freed from the horse nomads in 221, Uh, it had stayed apart for quite a while, but uh, now that the God Project was ongoing, they started to chime in and they sent um, a holy guy named Holy Asterix. Asterix, like the, the Belgian comic book. Um... Uh, uh, written slightly <laughs> different, but <laughs> uh, it will be in transcription. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, so, yeah, Dara Hapan, big solar cultist people yes. with big golden ziggurats and all that yeah they sent this mystic a uh, really friendly and nice guy okay who helps uh, create the new god right and i suppose as the main consultant on the project uh, that's where he possibly gives a slight solar vibe to the to the new god to be it's exactly and uh, that's uh, how the trolls and the Hjortlings and the Dragon Newts start to get second thoughts. That maybe <laughs> this is not so good an idea. So he's more of the, like, uh, Yoko Ono of the God Project. A bit, yes. And the okay. uh, second council becomes the Broken Council. Okay, so of course, um, <laughs> they're trying to um, do something. There are cre creative differences between, uh, yes. between all the participants. <laughs> And yeah, the Hjortlings say, uh, not with us. The dragon newts uh, do some sibilant uh, sounds which might say the same, and the trolls uh, go packing too. Okay. What about the Aldriami? The Aldriami, uh, at least those of the region, stay. So mm -hmm. do the dwarves. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there are no gold wheel dancers anymore, which is why the Darahapans are needed. Oh, because they needed sort of like all the elemental runes together yes. or something. <laughs> mm. Is that uh, is is that a bit like what Belintor does with the Holy Country? Also, sort of. Yes, uh, really, it really is. Yes, um, he might have gotten the idea there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also um, uh, all this uh, little cosmos thing is also in the Mythos of the Red Goddess in the Seven Mothers card right up. Okay. Uh, the Red Goddess has these young elementals. Okay, yeah. So rather than um, Dame Darkness, Sir C, and so on, we have uh, Squire C and uh, Damsel <laughs> Earth or something like that. Okay, so basically this whole God project gives a lot of people ideas down the line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, but, but uh, uh, like I said, it has to continue with, uh, without half its participants. Mm -hmm. They still forge onward, and in 375, uh, they come to the glorious conclusion. So does a conflict in Fronela, so does a meditation in Kralorela, and so do various other things, mm -hmm. a new bloom in Pamaltela and the forests, and what not. Yeah, there's always, in, in, in Glorenthan history, yes. there's always those big events where, like, yeah. all kinds of unrelated Yeah. Uh, threads somehow come to conclusion at the same time. So I'm uh, pretty certain that Zabur had something to do with that as well. Well, of course. Has. I mean, you know, <laughs> Zabur, he's, he's, he's super awesome. He's always yeah. up to but something. At least he thinks so. <laughs> yeah. Well, but anyway, uh, the sun stops in the sky. Time stops. Is that good or is that not good? Well, the Dara Happens thing is the best thing that could happen. Okay. Yelm is standing still in the sky at noon. 
the world is how it is how it was supposed to be yeah because it was like that back in the golden age or some shit like that right yeah but uh, yeah. i suppose it pisses off other people um the trolls think uh, it's the worst idea possible obviously i can't imagine the aldriami being very happy about it too because you know plants need night and day well uh, they didn't used to yeah but and they might uh, might have adapted back we don't know <laughs> yeah but uh, anyway it stops i mean it so stops we, for an unknown amount of time well it, it stops for no time because time stops you can't measure the duration of time when time is stopped <laughs> yeah well uh, it all happens when it's new noon but noon lasts for an eternity right and sometimes during this time uh, in a f- forest um, deep in brithos a child is born yeah. Probably to the tryst with a deity, which happens in Marcioli lands all the time. Mm-hmm. And the deity leaves uh, the young child as thought. Right. It's the unbreakable thought. Yes. So refer to last episode for our cat's birth and, and youth on Britos. But I mean, like, like we said in last episode, like some people say that when the nice laura was born and arcat were born they were sort of mirrors of each other possibly yes. does nice lore get born with a cool magical item just like arcat or did arcat get preferential treatment by the gm um i would say uh nice got this uh shiny city with all this technology waiting for him oh like the... so he's born in the lab yeah. And Arkad is born in the distant part without any resources. Right. Uh, but <laughs> like is is the the cool seed he does, does that like sprout out of the ground when he's born or No, that I, city is the Feldish uh, city I talked about earlier. Oh, I see. Okay, cool. Yeah, so he's born in in the middle of a uh, a, a treasure trove of cool ancient artifacts, I guess. Yes, and uh, pro- uh, possibly the city springs awake when he's born. Are those two born like babies, or is it one of those weird things where they are born, they're already grown up, or some shit? Uh, I'm pretty certain that Arkad uh, was born as a baby and mm-hmm. grew up very quickly during the sunstorm. Okay, yeah. Whereas Nysalor apparently um, manifested as a full-grown androgynous youth mm, okay which he seems to have remained for his lifetime <laughs> cool okay and how does the sun resume and how does time start again um dark strands are forming around the sun getting thicker and thicker and uh, some people call that the web of arachnus solara Oh, Arachnus Solara got got pissed off and said, "Like, okay, yeah. move along." We uh, <laughs> we also call her the Sun Spider because that's how the name translates. Yeah, and presumably uh, she and her son Time capture the sun and pull it on its path again. <laughs> okay, yeah. And the perfect god, which was called Osentalka before, now becomes degraded to merely Nysalor, the Bright okay. Lord. Mm-hmm. As God time has passed and he can't be that perfect anymore. Mm. Is is that something like <laughs> is, is that something that is like part of some legend written by some sage with some agenda or or whatever, or is it 
is it actually recorded somewhere that um, this Ocentalka, Ocentalka, that he changes basically when when the uh, when the sun starts again? Well, uh, it was the Ocentalka project, and when time starts again, we have nice and long. The rest is uh, assumption, but yeah, because it, it all sounds to me like you know heavily propaganda. Uh, historical records, basically, like yeah, uh, but uh, I I see it a bit a little like um, we had that perfect deity while the time was uh, stopped, mm-hmm. and when it started again, that deity got some imperfections. Mm, yeah, that sounds to me like making excuses. <laughs> yeah, nice lot doesn't need to make excuses. Uh, he's illuminated. He's illumination, really. Oh, I'm sure he thought he was perfect. I mean, I'm talking about uh, all of the the people from the Broken Council making excuses like, "Oh, you know, the God Project." Well, you know, there were a couple of uh, a couple of little problems along the yeah, way, um, but it's really because, like, you know, yeah. I mean, the Mostali were involved. Uh, they don't uh, don't do anything but these kind of uh, apologies. <laughs> <laughs> In the last episode, we sort of mentioned as we were following the life of our cat, we sort of mentioned what was going on with Dysolor, where he's um, founding this bright empire, which is like sort of a solar themed um, uh, expanding empire. And he is basically like, you know, conquering a big chunk of Gunnertella. Let's come to that. As I mentioned, the dragon newts, the hyotlings, and the trolls disagreed with the project. Mm-hmm. And three years after the birth, they gather an army and try to set things right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Law and his friends also gather armies, one from Darahapa, one from Talastar with lots of Olanthi. I don't quite remember the third one, but the battle is described in great re- detail in the history of the hyotling people. Described from the perspective of Lokamayadon, who's the narrator of that piece. Okay, and Lokamayadon was that uh, Dara Happen uh, contractor who was who worked on the God. Project. Uh, he was the Polorian Olanti who uh, had worked on the project and stayed on the project when the other Olanti went left. All right. So, how does this battle go? Uh, it starts with uh, conventional uh, warfare, other than Lokamayadon riding his flying ram and. The <laughs> king of the Hjordlings riding a cloud, but that's conventional. Well, I mean, you know, that's that's conventional Glorantan warfare. You know, everybody's got a cool yeah. magical thing. So the Darahapans form on one flank and are faced with the trolls, and things go badly for them. And the gen- uh, Darahapan general uh, asks his charioteer, who is an Orlanthi from Wunsch, what he could do, and that Orlanthi said, well, try my god, the chariot god, uh, Days and Arrows, which we know as Light 4. Light 4, uh, which we also know as Yelmbalio? Yes. But um, wait, 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 because like, isn't the charioteer god also like Locarnos or something? No, Locarnos is the wagon god, heavy gods. Oh, it's not the same, wagon and chariot, totally yeah. different. <laughs> totally different, yeah. <laughs> Um, you wouldn't use a Lamborghini to move furniture, would you? Fine, fine. 
<laughs> depends you know maybe i've got i've got you know 20 lamborghinis hanging in my in my garage yeah doing nothing but yeah okay sure so yes uh he calls upon that god and calls it into himself and that mm-hmm. is breaking the com- uh, compromise wait 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 because like how is that different from casting awesome rune magic because the god is standing there 20 meter tall also yeah, I mean, when you cast rune magic, you are the god who manifests. Yeah, but in... uh, well, you're not quite that much the god as that. Well, he blew 20 rune points in one go. Yeah, and all his power as well, because he didn't survive the experience. Oh, ouch. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the commander of the center, a certain Palangio, picks up where he failed. He uh, notices a certain uh, resemblance to his home deity from uh, Rinlidi, mm-hmm. I think. And he actually is able to synchronize with uh, the new god and wield it against the trolls. Uh-huh. The trolls uh, don't take this uh, standing still. and They huddle together and form a great black thing, the Black Eater. Ooh. So there's a big light for uh light god on one side and there's a big darkness eater yeah uh, um, entity on the other yes so uh, this is uh, way beyond conventional ground and warfare well i mean that's you know hero questing powers and stuff whatever yeah uh, even hero questing powers and stuff uh, that's apocalyptic <laughs> yeah okay okay well so you have these thousands of trolls uh, converging into this one d- blob of darkness, which has Ooh. this w- great big maw and um, is uh, proceeding to eat uh, the Darapens. Nice. And that's one nice law uh, that uh, skinny uh, androgynous youth is stepping onto the battlefield. Okay. And right into the maw of a black eater. And he dies, and end of story. Woohoo! Great episode. All, all, of, well all, all of his friends fear that that's the case. Instead, uh, a little while later, the big black blob convulses, uh, falls apart into thousands of trolls, and uh, the womb of all trolls is uh, wounded along with their ancestress Korasti, mother of many, uh, which is the start of the curse of kin. Okay, and so... Golden curse. Yes, and so, yeah, from now on, they have... Like you know, those small deform. I mean, you can read about it in the in the RuneQuest bestiary. Yes, uh, and this is, I believe, where the troll expression comes. Don't put all your trolls in the same black eater. Yeah, no, I haven't heard that uh, expression yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's how um, the trolls gave um, nice law the name Womb Biter. Womb Biter. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah that. That's that's a nasty. nasty. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, uh, all trolls are injured, and uh, even getting normal dark troll births, which already are a diminished form, are hard to get. And instead, they get these runs. Can't wait for uh, the hero wars where they put all the troll kin in one big ball, and they get cursed again, and they get even worse babies from now on. It looks like you know. The, the trolls get a, a worse and worse um, reproductive deal every every few centuries. <laughs> yeah, at least the dark trolls do, yes. Yeah. Um, so I guess Nysaloro wins the 
the, yeah, the battle? Um, the battle is a resounding victory for the forces of the Bright Empire. The king of the Hjordling falls to Lokomayadon. Palangio mobs up the field uh, with his new Dezenera's powers. And um, the dragon youths uh, were supposed to receive a similar curse, but a dragon intercedes and uh, negates it. And the Hjordlings, um, they be uh, become conquered by the forces of Palangio in the aftermath. That's the Hjordlings in the Pelorian area. And Dragon Pass all the way down to Casela. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. So Palangio conquers uh, Asrolia as well. Hjordland mm -hmm. is mostly uninhabited, uh, except for one tribe hiding in the forests, the Hendriki. They stay, uh, they remain free. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, they are hiding. Let's, you know, pause a bit here and ask the usual question. Why do we care about all that shit that happens a long time ago? So is there any, you know, remnants uh, okay. of this battle that... Yeah, well... Uh... There are a couple of uh, consequences. One of them is Sundome County in Vanta. Uh, so that's the Sundome... Uh, uh, south of yeah, Sartar. County south of Sartar, yes. Yeah, yeah because uh, that temple is founded by Palangio. Oh, okay, cool. As a means to control the uh, conquered Hjordlings. Ooh, okay. <laughs> and yeah, that's the start of Yelmario in that region. Right. In that form. But I mean, you know, it's 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 where it's like, yeah, it's cool. It it adds a bit of of flavor if you if you go there. But since then, there's been like a lot of other yeah. stuff that's happened because, like, you know, later the dragons kill everybody, the thing gets abandoned, and then yes. recolonize. Like, so I mean, it's like still, it's very distant history, right? It's it's very thousand, distant history, but yeah, it, it's it has more than a thousand history. years ago. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about Lokomayadon. Yeah, sure. After the Battle of Night and Day, he uh, goes on questing and uh, contacts the High Storm, Tariumath. Okay. The storm so that, beyond Orlans. So it's Orlans dead? Um, it's not Orlans dead, but it's uh, the storm beyond the storm, the real thing. And he takes on himself all the Orlanthi magic. Okay. He becomes the super Orlanthi. <laughs> and all other Orlanthi have no more chance to contact their deity. Oh, what? Oh, what? Yeah, uh, essentially the same thing as a windstop. Okay. Ooh. Only only without the cold weather. And so, wait, 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 wait. This is Lokomaidon. So he's an Orlanthi. So Ooh, why, why um, is he doing that? Well, he's becoming Orlanth. Or like Orlanth. Okay. Why? And uh, he collects all the Alanthi, uh, all the storm magic, all the energy in his person. Okay. Becoming the storm of storms. Right. What's his goal? His goal seems to be uh, really be to become the storm god. Okay. Yeah. But he fucks everybody in the process. Yes. Well, um, those who follow him uh, mm -hmm. can still worship him. Oh, he wants to replace Orland. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, that's yeah, that's that's not very nice. High, uh, very high stakes, yeah. Okay, cool. And does that stick? <laughs> I, I suppose it doesn't stick. Well, I mentioned that feud he had with the Baroness Telly clan. Yeah, and that feud actually becomes his downfall because uh, he pursues his revenge. 
But uh, one child from that clan becomes uh, initiated to Orleans despite uh, Palangio's barriers, and that child was called Bahamast. Mm. Um, yeah, this is the Harmast we mentioned last episode who yes. revives, is who is like the first hero questing Olanthi, who revives Arakat. The first Lightbringer in history, yeah. Um, Harmast and his family hide out uh, at the edge of Prax. Palangil goes there and is killed there. Uh, not Palangil, but Lockermeyerans goes there and kill, is killed there. Oh, by Harmast? No, um, but by a family member. That's around 411, which is when uh, Arkad was fighting in Sessionator. Mm, okay. But yeah, I mean, that there's probably no trace in, like, quote-unquote, modern RuneQuest Day about um, uh, any of this. So it, this is like... Well, um, uh, the place is, uh, nowadays is called Barbarian Town. Oh, right. I've seen it on the map. You've seen it on the map. It's where the remnants of a Dandela's clan are hiding yeah. uh, with their poor Joni friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dandela's tribe. And it's a nice location for adventuring. Mm-hmm. And it has history. Great history. Okay, what next? What next? Uh, Palangio goes on conquering uh, Maneria. Uh, on, on behalf of the Bright Empire. On and, behalf of and the Bright Vice, Empire. Vice-Solor, yeah. Yep. He visits uh, the lost city of Aranplos, which is hiding in a bubble underwater. He gets a hint for um, a weird magical item, which he follows up a mountain uh, where the sky fell down. And there he finds the Iron Rock. Which yeah, well, it's an iron bird, which flies and which he can ride. Oh, he can ride it. Nice. Okay. Pretty much like those hawk riders in Griffin Mountain. Palangio had a, a hawk too, but that one was of iron. Is that bird sort of like a robot bird from some Mostali thing, yeah, it's, or it's is a it a living piece of metal or whatever? It's a big mojo. Um, in the meantime. Um, Ralios has been uh, has received missionaries across Catalan Pass, and the Dangan Confederacy, which sits in what uh, we nowadays call uh, the Tania Valley, um, accepts the teachings of Holy, Holy Astorex. Okay, so Holy Astorex is the that Dara Happen uh, f- philosopher who helped uh, give birth to Nicelor. Yes, yeah. Oh. And he is now active in Ralios, uh, converting the local Enerali Olanthi mm-hmm. to the cause of a bright empire. Right. And is this where they start encountering Arkat? This is uh, where they will uh, encounter Arkat in the future, yes. Ah, okay, but for now they are just like... For in... now, uh, the Raelian Olanthi are divided. Many follow the bright empire. But some resistor. Of course. It's Olanthi. What else do you expect? Yes. <laughs> and is this when somebody has the bright idea to 
uh, do the whole sneaky thing with the disease, giving uh, yes. g- giving the Orlanthi a disease that they can g- then sell the uh, the, cure or... the, the cure. Yeah, yeah. Which which is sneaky. I mean, like this is this is not good. It doesn't reflect well on the Bright Empire. <laughs> yeah, uh, Nicelo is uh, reported to have said, "On the edge of light, there's always darkness." <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, this uh, this campaign of subversion actually finds its supporters so uh, quite a lot of people in Sashnila and even Arulanit are following the new cult because uh, the cult is cool besides curing the disease and yeah the mystical thinking is taking over the land of rationality Arulanit which used to be uh, the most pious and uh, orthodox Brithini colony away from the mother island. And Zabur and his uh, rulers won't have it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is <laughs> like all happening in Western Gernertzela back when yeah. the, um, uh, there was no like syndics ban and all that all that crap that happened later. Yeah, well, the syndic span is uh, from Nela anyway, uh, further north. Oh, right, yes. That's, I suppose, when the Brizini armies start uh, coming to the to the, uh, to the continent to yes. sort of fight off this bright empire. And that's when Arkad yes. um, comes yep. with them because he's part of their armies. Like yeah. at the beginning, he's just like a soldier, right? Yeah, uh, that's why we have this uh, young soldier, Kader, uh, which comes across the sea, uh, fights to uh, free the uh, lands of Arulanit. Among others, uh, they're encountering a god of darkness, Kraljit, who has some dark history in Sashnela already. So they what like the Bridini ally with some local darkness. No, um, uh, the the bright empire uh, forces bring up this uh, darkness god. Oh, they they control some darkness god. Yes, um, there have always been sorcerers uh, contacting this god and uh, casting the great evil magics on their foes. And the people of Sashnela have been on the receiving end for generations. Yeah, that continues until Arkad stops that and ends that cult. Mm, so where where is that darkness uh, entity now? Uh, there's a small city in Western Tanizor called Carnival. Not Carnival, but K-A-N-I-W-A-L. I pronounce that Carnival. Carnival? Yeah. Yeah, it could be pronounced like uh, Cannibal as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Krajit and his bloody cult um, possibly had some things like cannibalism. Right. Oh, yeah, because they, so yeah, they were, the the city was sort of enslaved by that darkness uh, god thing. And um, that same god already uh, reared his his ugly head in the fight against the serpent kings in the first century. So uh, he's a repeat offender. (laughs) Until, uh, it says, finally defeated by Arkad. And that's probably the source of the darkness foes, which Arkad fights in that story that Greg read. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Years ago, uh, Greg uh, was guest at Conversion, and he read a good portion of his manuscript called Arkad's Saga. And that read a bit little like a Vietnam After Battle report. 
Okay. With uh, Brissini lining up, firing their crossbows into the darkness, bad things coming out of the darkness, attacking them, disappearing again. Ooh, nice guerrilla warfare in in yeah. the old Gunnerzilla. Nice. Yes. So that was a quite graphic experience uh, he uh, provided there, and uh, that was the first piece of arcade saga I ever heard. Oh, cool! I I've seen this arcade saga book for. Uh, very expensive on eBay once or twice. Yes. <laughs> Which is why a single reading at a convention is uh, the best source I can offer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You you and a couple dozen people. Yeah. Uh, it was memorable. <laughs> and I really wish it would be uh, more available. Mm, yeah. Well, me too. But yeah, back, back, to, uh, back to the topic. <laughs> uh, the nice locale has a high priest out there in Sashnella. By the nice name of Garth. Garth, with two A's. Two A, yes. Which is a sure sign that this guy is a bad guy. Yeah, uh, he, he's bound to have a goatee and uh, an evil laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, he's uh, surprisingly charismatic, and those people he healed are really grateful to him and learn about this new thing, Illumination. And once illuminated, uh, understand that the experience was a learning experience. Mm. Is is it the the first time that the Bright Empire is actively educating people to illuminate them, or is it just no? Like... It's happening all over the Bright Empire, as far as I know. Okay. I mean, the Darahappens have been uh, trying to do so all their lives. Even the horse nomads did. Oh yeah. Yep. They too chase uh, after this uh, enhanced state of Yelm, which Yelm attended when he recognized his other and learned to live with that. Mm, okay. So that's ingrained into the Yelm cult as well. That's what uh, happens when you stare too too long into the sun. You, you something something goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, if you go beyond the sun, like Desert as it did. <laughs> So um, lo a lot of uh, Yamic uh, worship is mysticism and going beyond the sun. And what Lokamayadon did with the storm was similar. Mm, I see. And all of that happened uh, because of this uh, new powers that came with uh, illumination. It's not just uh, spirits of reprisal. So did Lokamayadon try to uh, uh, establish some sort of illumination tradition within the storm cult the same way like the solar cults have a tradition of illumination well he first tried to establish himself as the illuminated storm god yeah and because Orlanthi are stupid they they said like ah fuck you we don't want yeah, that where like we, we could have basically had, that yeah we, we could have had um uh instead and like illuminated um our lengthy culture, the same yes. way that the, the, the lunars are now. The peaceful, urbanized uh, Orlanthi culture. Oh, missed opportunities. Uh, which, happen, which happened the next uh, age, but under a different uh, form of uh, enlightenment. Right. <laughs> okay. So if we, if, if we, again, pause a bit and figure out what you know what, what can we use this all for so people can look up that locomayadon guy if they want to uh have some yeah. illuminated or lengthy or illuminated yeah. light bringers 
Um, well, yeah, I mean, the Olanthi are pretty much united in their rejection of what Lokamayadon did. Well, almost united, yeah, which means there's a couple over there. Well, there's and always over a couple of dissidents, of course. <laughs> yeah, it, including the including one or two player characters, of course. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. <laughs> but you really need to be illuminated to get rid of those spirits of reprisal if you go that route. Oh, of course, yes. But <laughs> um, but yeah, so maybe that's what they encounter when they if they want to look a bit deeper into that. Um, yeah, well, is... um, illuminated Orlanti may find a promise or two uh, leading in this direction. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else can uh, in all this stuff can be used for a uh, modern RuneQuest game like uh, the Bright Empire expansion? Would there be any cool stuff like, for example, uh, Galf and uh, Lokomayadon were spreading those diseases in Western Genertella and then spreading the cure? Could there be traces of this disease still active? The somewhere? disease, thankfully, seems to be uh, gone. But um, it uh, remained on until um, Nysla was killed, at least. Okay. Because uh, the last crowned king of uh, Sashnela um, was afflicted with it. Mm. Do we have more information about this disease, what it does? And... Um, the best source I have is uh, on the Well of Dalias, mm-hmm. the Sashnelan King List Part 1 which has dates and uh, details which are not found in the guide or elsewhere. Mm, another book I've seen on eBay. <laughs> Actually, it's, uh, you can uh, read it for free on the World of Darkness. Well, I mean, those, those, those snippets, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is there anything else then we can take from this old history and put in a modern game? Well, uh, if you uh, go, uh, if you go, go Luna, you can always uh, hunt for things uh, from the Bright Empire. And I did mention that the uh, Bright... Did I mention that Bright Empire was in Relios? Yes. Holy Asterix contacted the Dungans, and much of the Relians converted to the Bright Empire. There are even uh, today some people in some Orlanti paths which still think that Nysola was a good idea, <laughs> and Arkad not so good. But, yeah... Um, okay, so uh, the Bright Empire is spreading out, but it's starting to get some... Um, it's starting uh, to get some opposition. Yes, yeah. But uh, in Sashnela, it's quite successful. Unfortunately, the royal dynasty uh, keeps rejecting them, and they bring in Arkad. Arkad has, uh, been, has received some special training from the Brithini, including some Brithini hero quests. Yeah, so we, we went over that last episode, like all the multi-classing yeah. and... Yeah, uh, uh, not yet that... multi-classing. He's, he's just about to start multi-classing now. Yes. Because he uh, finds that uh, the Brissini way blocks him from using any magic. And he <laughs> yes. needs that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so we sort of went over our cat's crusade against the bright empire and how yes 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 but there's a lot of people uh, we are going to pick up on the way okay so let's go through our cat's rogues gallery um all his most awesome enemies uh who is in sessionella 
Starting with Seschneller, um, this priest Garth uh, did manage to convert some of the royal family. And these people and lots of illuminate followers put up a real fight. So uh, the Arkad's Crusade and Seschneller really is a civil war, a holy civil war, and the holy people are on the other side. So it's king against church, and church is about to win in a, a decisive battle when out of the forest, a shiny young guy with a flaming sword and a fresh troop of uh, mounted warriors falls into the back of this uh, civil war party and takes the field. Too late to save the previous king, but Arkad survives and... Uh, People of uh, Garth uh, show the, finally show their real face when they turn into chaos monsters on the battlefield. <laughs> so that's the first time we see the ugly side of illumination and um, the defense of the Bright Empire. I mean, it's not ugly. It's just like a different aesthetic. <laughs> um, maybe not the first time. Um, we had uh, the fight against the Vampire King of Tanisaw before. Right, but the vampire kings of Tanisor were just allies al of the Bright Empire. Allies of the Bright Empire. I mean, I mean, first, how cool is Vampire King of Tanisor uh, yeah. as as a, as a name? Uh, do do we have a bit more info about like how they became kings, or were they kings who became vampire, and how the hell did they ally with a solar empire being yeah. you know vampires? Um, Tanisaw has history. Um, the Sashnegi invaded there a couple of times. And in the first century, they did so with the help of the Vadeli. So the Vadeli are like... The Vadeli are the anti-Brithini. Uh, well, the anti-Brithini, but who are sort of like the Brithini in the sense that they... are they, like the Brithini, only more vile. Yes, so they are like ancient sorcerers who stay immortal by being very conservative no uh, by being anti-conservative so they transgress all the rules that the Brissini have oh right in very yes. specific ways oh right yes yes if you really want to learn more about them i can only point you to nick brooks uh, history of uh, marxianism Right. I mean, it, it, it seems to me so convoluted. You know, you've got a bunch of rules. If you follow them, you're immortal. Yeah. Why would you then try to figure out a very specific way to transgress those rules to have the same result? Unless, uh, you know, I mean... Yeah, uh, okay. Do you really want to talk about the Vadeli? We can. No, no, no. Let's get the Vadeli. <laughs> no, they're a very nice bunch of very ugly people. Which yeah. is why I suspect that they are behind the magics that lead to the vampire kings. Okay, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. And you find some uh, old Vedeli ruins all over Western Ganatella. They destroyed a thriving Marchioni civilization that was there mm -hmm. when the Nidan Mountains uh, erupted because the Vedeli were allies of the dwarves. But anyway, vampire kings, why did they ally with some guy who's the son. Yeah, well, they obviously uh, receive some sort of uh, immunity, perhaps by illumination. Mm. It's Yelm who cursed by Vivermort for uh, unleashing death. It's not nice a lot. So uh, basically, they get uh, they get a light they can uh, travel by without getting burned. And I, I guess if you're saying that they come 
from some sort of Vadeli tradition and the Vadeli hate the Brizini. Maybe it was less about allying with the Bright Empire, but it was about allying with whoever fights the Brizini. Yeah, it's also Immortality 2.0. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, these were people who were afraid to die, and they took the other route out, and they even had a Vampire Legion. Oh, yeah, the Vampire Legion. So, again... Is there anything of that left uh, nowadays? Yes, uh, one of the participants of the battle uh, against the king, Grag Maklagan, in the city of Tanevar, as it was called then, now it's called the Red Ruin, because it glows even heavier than um, Chernobyl. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, um, uh, the Brithini leader of, uh, or officer of that uh, expedition force was there, and when uh, the Vampire King fell down, he took away his helmet, which was his crown as well. And as we all know, crowns are the symbol of leaders. So it was his case uh, job to pick up that crown. Okay. That guy is still around. He's now the ruler of Arulanit. Has been for for the last 500 years. The guy who killed the Vampire King. The guy who stood uh, next to Arkad when uh, Arkad killed that Vampire King. Oh, right. Cool. He picked up the head and separated it from its crown. Okay, and he's been living for the past 400 years and he's definitely not a vampire yeah, he's himself. Still, he's still very alive. Uh, he has been the ruler of the country of Arlanit since uh, the fall of uh, Sashnela. And he's totally not a vampire himself. He's just an ordinary Brethini uh, who obeys all his case laws, even though he has been known to use uh, throwing crowns and smashing uh, scepters. <laughs> okay. Um, would there would there still be like nests of vampires in uh, around Tanisor and um, Ralius or whatever? I mean, uh, vampires never go away. The Vampire Legion now is serving the Lunar Empire. Oh, right. That's true. Yes. Okay. There's some uh, bad shit going on in uh, Slontos, or rather in that uh, pick country, Ramalia, where people might use similar magics. Mm. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind to me with the vampire religion is that, I mean, they're vampires, so a bunch of them might be very old, which means that some of those like generals and, and leaders of the vampire religion might have been around during the yes. wars with our cat and all that. I, guess I imagine quite a that few of them uh, can boast about having been de- decapitated by Argat once or twice. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, mostly I'm thinking that if the Lunars were, you know, very practical and clever, which they of course are, a lot of those old vampire would now be used as tacticians and like, they're very experimented. I mean, they've, they've fought in very big wars and they've seen a lot of stuff. So I would imagine they are not necessarily just in the vampire religion. I imagine there's a a few vampire consultants basically uh, giving Um, a lot of advice to the lunar generals. I wouldn't be surprised if some of them were teaching at the uh, Imperial College of Magic. Oh, and that too, yeah, I guess. But only the very advanced courses. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh my, how cool would it be to have like a, you know, a, a sort of Harry Potter 
uh, campaign, you know, in the Lunar School of Magic, where you know <laughs> I've got this professor is a vampire, and this other professor is eliminated, and he hates me, and all that, and there's like adventures every year. Yes. Um, somebody write that, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, but uh, we have vampires who uh, re resurface now and then. Not all of them retain their memories. Uh, this is a big spoiler, but Michael O'Brien uh, used one of uh, that kin who lost his memories. Uh, it's a big uh, book, uh, Sun County. Mm, okay. A very ancient and not very sociable guy. <laughs> okay. So uh, not all vampires have a happy end of retaining their memories. Yeah. They're, they're still very good fighting machines. Speaking of fighting machines... Arkad finally overcame the uh, cult of Nysalor and Sashnela. He overcame the vampire kings. He uh, was impressed by the Humakti who aided him in that. And so when Hamas returned him from hell, he joined the cult of Orland and the cult of Humakt. Uh, during his initiation, he received that uh, hit in the left foot, rolled uh, one on the d20. <laughs> left leg? No, right leg? No. Which one is left it? Leg. <laughs> Left leg. Uh, basically, yeah. Uh, he barely avoided joining Gimpies. <laughs> no, That's left leg is uh, five to eight on the D20. Is it? Yeah. Anyway. One, one to four is right leg. So. Anyway, uh, those leg hits are uh, traditional in Runequest. And, but yeah, I'm digressing now. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Arkad is in Rarius and uh, tries to get uh, to, uh, to Dorastor by the short route. Yeah. So uh, he's initially opposed by the Dangans, led by Holy Astorex, and he makes very short process with them, leaving that holy person limping and uh, robbed and uh, barely surviving. Who, Astorex? Holy Astorex, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in comes Palangio the Iron Rock. Arkad gears up, uh, goes to Cartoline Castle. And uh, prepared, uh, as the uh, Law texts say, to slay a dragon. And will only take one enemy at a time. So the Bright Empire uh, sends forth uh, Palangio. And Palangio wipes the floor with Arkad and his companions and his army. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit like the Hulk uh, doing his thing with Loki. I mean, right now we're telling it, we're telling the story from the side of the Bright Empire, but uh, from the side of Arkad, it's it's more like you know the end of Act One, where the bad guy uh, yeah. really wipes the floor with the hero, and then the hero needs to go in yeah. in, in that journey. Yeah. There's the training montage and and all that, right? Yeah. So uh, basically, uh, we're now at the end of Book One of the trilogy. <laughs> yes and uh, we learn that Arkad is dismembered and uh, some pa uh, some jar is put in the in a very deep Darahappen hell and the Darahappens uh, retake most of Ralios they don't bother with Seshnella which remains uh, free from that mm -hmm. and the Seshnella uh, kings uh, sort of think that they are done with the Gavaji wars and uh, the Nithalorians think that they are done with Arkad, but Hamas changes that and brings back uh, Arkad to Hela Amali. To where? 
Rela Amali, that's the uh, most holy spot in Ralios. That's yeah. where uh, the tree of Flamal used to stand until Zorak Zoran hewed it down. Oh, cool, yeah. It's on the, uh, it used to be on the Tanya Valley, it's only a ruin now. And yeah, uh, it was attacked by the Sashnegi in, uh, in the Dawn Age with the Daily Matrix, which was why I thought that they were involved in the Vampire Kings. But uh, they repented afterwards, also because the Vertagi uh, were not happy about that. <laughs> yeah, the Vertagi are those seagoing friends of the Brissini. Right. But, you know, stop stop digressing. Stop digressing. <laughs> anyway, this most holy place is the place where Arkad reappears. Unless it is Arco, which is a little bit further upriver. Uh, the sources say both. But Hala uh, Amali is uh, the holy place, and there's a good reason for uh, for Arkad and Hamas to go there. So they gained the support of the Raelian Orlanthi, who were not that happy with the Bright Empire or with Kalangyu, who has a history of uh, uh, picking down on Orlanthi. But again, we told Arkad's story last time. I want to know more about what's going on with the Bright Empire. Yeah, uh, well... We, uh, we, I have another name on Arkad's friends list. It's a subcult of Humat called Maklaman. Maklaman. He's, he's a subcult which has special magic to prevent uh, resurrection. Ooh. Possibly a consequence of the uh, Vampire King Wars. <laughs> so wait, was, I forgot, was Arkad already a Humakti before he was brought back by Harmast or was that No, uh, he first joined Orlans after brought, being brought back by Harmast and then okay. he joined Humakt and then you, he received his wound. I mean, like the Humakti, they don't want you to be resurrected, but... He got resurrected before he joined the Humakti. It's not council. a resurrection, it's a Lightbringer's quest. Yeah. If you get out of hell some other way, you're not dead anymore. <laughs> okay, well, okay, there's a workaround. I see what's going on, yes. Yeah, um, quite a lot of Humakti know that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they're hon honorable, but... Um... So so what does this subcult with special anti-resurrection magic have to do with with Arkad then? Well, uh, he was the leader of uh, the Orlanthi of the Upper Tanya River, mm -hmm. who had a problem with some allies of Nysalor, the Terramori wolf people who had received a gift to turn into their, these wholly un, uh, invulnerable beasts at will. Right, so that's that's the when the Terramori got their chaotic gift from yeah. uh, well not from Nysalor himself right it was from yes, from Nysalor they got the gift from Nysalor to be able to do that at will oh yeah because they got the power but then later they get cursed by uh, Talar yeah uh, we're not right there quite there that <laughs> yet okay so right now the Talmori have super awesome magic yeah they have a great temple city in northern Relius the ruins still are there okay they had a city even though they are... They the temple city. Oh, it's more on one... Because, yeah, so it's not a city where they live, but it's a city where they come back often yeah. to congregate and worship and all that, which yeah. is... Um, yeah. Which I think exists also in uh, hunter-gatherer societies in on yeah. Earth. I mean, Gebekli uh, Tepe or something mm -hmm. like that. And I suspect that they had a permanent uh, population in that city who may not actually have been Tamori. Mm, okay. That's servants of them. Mm, yeah. Okay. 
and possibly uh, responsible for building the stuff. But uh, that's digressing. <sighs> anyway, uh, Arkad went there, left the rubble, and uh, pushed most Telmori out of the land. Some small groups remained, including some who had not ac- accepted the gift. Uh, but most of them uh, were pushed across uh, the Nidan Mountains at High Lama Pass, which they used to control by that time. But for some reason or other, Arkad did not follow them and tried to reach Dorostar that route, by that route. So uh, he tried Katolin again and again, was thwarted again and again, and finally left uh, some siege uh, at the gates to Dorostar. Mm-hmm. So now he needed another way. And that way led him to Interslontos. Slontos was a land ruled by Palangio. So these two meet again and again. One of the things Palangio did when he uh, conquered Slontos was he uh, planted a dragon nude colony there. So that's one of the things uh, you find from Palangio's activities now. There's dragon nudes and uh, Maneria, who have an inhuman king and a real civilization. They are more hostile than those of Dragon Pass. What was Palangio's relationship with Dragon Newt, especially since I thought the Dragon Newts were out of this whole business since the God Project? Yeah, uh, because they opposed, they uh, were uh, forced to uh, give him some aid. Mm. And this colony was the aid they gave him. Okay. And of course, uh, Dragon Newts who can uh, get reborn within a day are excellent shock troops. Mm. Okay. And I suppose many of those warriors died uh, daily in his service. One more problem for Arkad to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was once uh, one little place in Slontos or Maneria uh, which resisted Palangio's reign. It's called Caxterplos. And they make a very big deal that they resisted Palangio's siege for four years until Arkad came and lifted that siege. Still, the overland way uh, remained blocked. And now the Wertagi come uh, become on topic because uh, Arkad sent a, a big portion of his army by sea. Uh, if I remember correctly, like Klaxtopos, like uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Klaxtopos, yeah. If I remember correctly, there are still to this day like weird old temples that date back to yes. this time. So uh, they have uh, they keep that memory of the Gubaji War very alive there. Mm. It's one of the places from uh, Old Maneria which survived the cataclysms at the end of the Second Age. So that makes it quite special in that area. Uh, hold on, um, right? Caxtor plows in Maneria. Uh, as I'm checking my uh, guide to Glorantha PDF, mentioned uh, three times with mostly the same text. Yeah, yes. Uh, but yeah, they, they have like a, a temple that dates back from like a thousand years ago that I think they preserved and they have uh, some ascetic wizard priests who... Um... So yes, the people in uh, Caxtopros still have their temple and they don't, li- don't like Yemalio or Palangio at all. <laughs> yeah. Cool. But uh, for some... Uh, and Arkad met with the Hendriki there the first time. Those were the one tribe of Yotlings who remained outside of uh, Lokamayadon's control yeah. in the forests. Mm-hmm. And 
Their leader, Hendrik, was a big uh, worshipper of Lanster, the mover, and he led his people in a big leap and basically introduced Arca to the other way, to Dorostor, via Dragon Pass. Hmm. Which is why the theater of war moves from Slontos to the Holy Country and Dragon Pass. We get a couple of famous battles of uh, fortresses like Arkad's Hold, which we talked about last time. There was a, a great victory for Arkad at Danger Fort, which may have been one of the first places where he was, uh, where his uh, side was aided by trolls. Okay, yeah. Uh, the fighting gets more and more uh, gets b uh, more and more bitter. Trolls get involved more, and chaos gets involved more. <laughs> It's sort of an escalation because yeah. Arkad is using the trolls for their anti-chaos powers uh, yeah. and the Bright Empire illuminated. They figured they're going to amp up the chaos to uh, yes. swarm the... It's the, an arms race, yes. Yes. <laughs> and in, in these arms race are the companions which Arkad carried on from his time in the West. There are still some Brissini uh, soldiers with him. There are still some uh, Marchioni uh, men of all with him, including Gerland, even though he did condemn Arkad's uh, conversion to Orland and Humat, he's still fighting at his side. Right. He's so true to Arkad's case that uh, several of his sons die in the service of Arkad. Mm. Well, that's what happens when you make an opposed passion role and your loyalty to Arkad is a critical and your devotion yeah. to Orlanth is yeah. is just a failure. <laughs> Gerland famously uh, married the sister of the new king of Seshnella, uh, Hupala, a woman who's uh, known for her smiling uh, all the time, except for the times when she lost her, her sons. Mm. Aww. At the end of Gbaji Wars, only one son remains uh, by the name of Ndrala. He becomes important later on. <laughs> okay. But, yes. Um, I, I hope it's not too later on because we... Uh, yeah, we're, we're running out of time, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, fast forward. Um, the resistance of Adara happens and the Pelorian Orlanti gets heavier and heavier. Uh, there's more chaos, and Arkad finally decides to become a troll. There's this dissection story in the guide, which is a very interesting read about Arkad and his companions. And um, I'm pretty sure there's at least one uh, Brithini among those. There's at least one man of all among those. Mm -hmm. There will be uh, one or two Orlanthi from Ralios. And possibly some from Session, uh, from uh, Dragon Pass area as well. And these guys get turned into trolls in a very painful and bad ceremony. Yeah, we men we mentioned it last episode also. But yes, Arkad becomes a troll. Um, there's a whole lot of troll politics going on with that. But somehow, uh, when he's reborn as a troll, another thing uh, Humaki wouldn't really like. Um, he comes out as a king troll, as a mistress race troll who sires mistress race daughters, something which hasn't happened uh, within time at all. Okay. So the big hope of troll kind. Unfortunately, that power doesn't last very long. Mm -hmm. But there are new mistress race troll uh, daughters, and these new daughters form a new uh, troll country later on. 
Is that the 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 one back in uh, Radios? The one in Western Radios, Guhan, yes. Right, yes. Cool. But that's a story of its own, and I won't uh, go into that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes, Arkad and the trolls march on towards Dorostor. Uh, the liberated uh, Hjordlings uh, march against Dara which has sent its best uh, officers and, uh, and soldiers to Dorostor to defend there. So it's more or less uh, a ripe plum for the taking. Mm-hmm. And the Olanthi take it and depose the emperor of Darahapa and get a, get a governor there and receive tribute and all of that. A big Olanthi victory there. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Arkad and his trolls re- reach Dorastor, leaving a trail of devastation behind them. You can still visit that in Scantiland and uh, Aga. Okay, what kind of stuff would would you expect to find if your adventurers went there? Uh, it's described in the guide. Um, okay, here we go. Of note in this land is a wide swath of ruin which cuts through it, marking the path of Arkad's army over ten centuries before. In this area, only weeds grow, and ghosts and waves are seen every night. Ooh, fancy. So, yes. <laughs> Arkad, or at least his trail, is very present. Uh, so, yes, Arkad continues into uh, Dora's tour. Uh, he has a personal meeting with a charming guy by the name of Rizakark. Oh, I've heard about this guy. What was he... Who was he back then? Because, like... I, I mostly know him as... We know him, yeah, as two different brews and uh, the shell of a man. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> nowadays, if you go to Dora's store, which is, you know, this completely chaos-infested, uh, like... Akat's masterpiece. Yeah, this, this is where you go when your uh, 15th level characters don't have anything else to kill. Yes. And Razal Kark is this sort of, like, weird-ass unicorn brew who leads... The, um, yeah, that's one of his one of his phases. Right then, but back then, like back in the in the fourth century, what who was Rizalkark? I think he was uh, pretty much that very civilized, unicorn-headed guy in the city of miracles, operating this uh, gleaming technology. A, a good con- conversationalist, possibly a good dancer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> With a slightly uh, unpleasant ancestry, but who cares? He was a, a very nice individual until he was forced to fight. Yeah. One of the most uh, horrible trolls you can imagine. Uh, Razakark lost, big way, and uh, required resurrection to uh, haunt Dorostor again. Mm. Nobody in their right mind would uh, attempt such a thing, which is why Godlanders did it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, no, nobody nobody asked whether we should do it. We only thought about whether we could do it. Yeah, and they could. They're still enjoying the consequences. <laughs> okay. But Razakak was uh, just one more dead body on Akat's way into the City of Miracles, onto the Tower of Dreams, where he faced uh, Nysalor in the final one-to-one duel. Yeah, so... We talked about all that last episode, including all the crazy conspiracy theories uh, about yeah. what happened in the yeah. uh, Tower of... Tower of Dreams. Tower of Dreams. There's uh, this very nice lunar uh, illustration of this conflict, 
which shows rather civilized Bruce alongside Dara Happen archers and uh, fantastic chaos beasts. And yes, um, where, where is that? It's in the Arcot, in the Nicelo and Arcot uh, appendix. Oh yeah, in volume uh, in volume two of the guide. Volume two of the guide, a great image by Dan Barker. Uh, I talked let, about that last time. Let me look at it. Look at the similarity between uh, the faces of Arcot and Nicelor. Yeah, I don't see it. <laughs> uh, uh, eliminate the color and the teeth, and you have it. Mm. And the bushy eyebrows. Well, yeah, if you change half the elements of the face, then yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, the rest of the structure is identical. <laughs> yeah, beca- becoming a troll did change Arcot a little bit. Oh, well. <laughs> So yes, uh, what remains are the consequences and, of course, uh, the side story of uh, Hamas uh, bringing back another Amalkioni because the yeah. first one didn't work out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, to, uh, I try to make it very short. There was this trouble in Tronela. A guy named Talo uh, picked up the remnants of the former uh, kingdom and made it strong again, fought a foe called Vargans the Unconquerable Knight, uh, overcame him but died. Well, uh, he he was unconquerable. <laughs> he should yeah. have he should have known. <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, so he probably uh, did the suicide double death routine or something like that. Went to hell uh, where Hamas picked him up. So Hamas returns to Relios uh, with uh, Talor. They go uh, across the elf forest. And and this Talor guy, like, I mean, Harmast keeps on bringing back everybody from hell. I mean, well, only two people. Only two people. Both times Marchioni. Well, uh, only the two people that we know of, I'm sure, like, must have been doing it. Uh... No, uh, we actually have a, have a list of Harmast hero quests. Oh, okay, yeah. There were only ten major ones. <laughs> two of them were the lightning ass ones. Yeah, this Talor guy is known as Talor the Laughing Warrior, right? Yes. He's uh, the epitome of joy, uh, the revelation of Restor. Right. This is the um, sort of Malkyoni. Mystical enlightenment of the uh, logicians. Yes, yes. It's a Western state of Nirvana thingy. Like they're, they're basically... Yeah, well, of unity with the, with the mind of the world. It's the thing that they, that they are chasing in their... Uh, yeah. spiritual development, yeah. It's not illumination, except that it, uh, it, that it works very similarly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yes, so uh, Talor is the guy who ke- uh, keeps his divine um, connection even in his, in his fighting, which is why he can laugh while he's killing people or being killed. And he and Hamas uh, stop a conflict between the Marchioni and the Orlanthio region. Unite uh, them against the Termori who have been pushed into their, uh, that place, which they do. Then they pass over into Relios, uh, meet with Arkad's uh, besieging force at Catalin as Arkad enters the other way. And so Talor and Hamas are there when uh, Arkad finally confronts Nicelor, at least uh, within sight. They witness how Arkad uh, brings down the tower. They witness how Arkad curses the land of Dorostor. And Talor gets some inspiration and pronounces a curse upon the Telmori. Aww. That's why the Telmori uh, must change shape every wild day, will they or nil they, 
So uh, why um, keeping control uh, the time might be a hard thing. So the, the, the curse of the Telmori happened after the end of the Gbaji War? I thought it happened during it. At the end of the Gbaji War, yeah. Oh, so why why does he do it? And I mean, like you know, giving the Telmori free transformation is is you know <laughs> what's yeah, well, the idea? Yeah, um, having giving them uh, everyday control over that is still a danger for his kingdom and for his allies. So there is a reason to limit that power, and uh, but it, it doesn't really limit it. It it just tells you that. You know, every wild day they are going to transform. So probably they're going to attack on the wild day more. Like it, it, it lets you be a bit more prepared, maybe. But it lets otherwise, you be more prepared, and uh, they don't uh, attack you seven days a week in that shape. I mean, they still can. I mean, do, do, does it actually cost rune points to transform on wild day, or is it free? That's free. Yeah, so then they could also attack. In addition to that, they could attack. To, it, it makes them able to attack twice a week. <laughs> twice? Well, once on wild day when it's free and another time on another random day when they spend the rune points for it. Well, if they have that many. Yeah, but remember, you can do it through <laughs> the whiter. So the, 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 pack, the pack leader can use the whiter to uh, just spend one extra point of power and he can cast it on like uh, six people in his pack for the same, for almost the same price as one. Yes, except that uh, this power needs to be replenished from the from his followers. Yeah, but that's fine. I mean, a bit of a bit of uh, uh, worshiping and, and sacrifice no, no, and all just, that. No, no, not just worshiping. Actual power transfer. Uh. I'll have to double check because the Well of Dahlia Therata is a bit wishy-washy about this. Uh, yes, but, uh, basically, um, casting rune magic via the Viter costs actual pow, and this pow needs to be sacrificed to the Viter by the by the people from the community. It sort of depends. You can have a Viter with the special power that it has its own rune points and all that. So I mean, you know, possibly you... that. But then Viters are mostly an Orlanthi thing, and I'm, I'm not so sure that the uh, uh, Termori are that organized and that well metrically. So for me, they have a Viter for each pack, and that definitely. But anyway, yeah, they, uh, they, we, they we have, have spirits for each pack, yeah. But whether it's Viter is an, is another question. Well, I mean, if they have loyalty, passion for the pack, they must have a waiter. No? But we're digressing anyway. We're digressing uh, badly, but um, a pack is <laughs> too small to support a waiter, usually. Uh, maybe. I mean, you know. You need um, an overpack to uh, come to waiter size. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have the Telmori cursed. We have uh, Dorastor cursed. There's a very nice... Or not so nice description of how Arkad curses Dokat, uh, one of the other cities in Dorastor. Mm -hmm. I think uh, nowadays it's known for the, the enormous uh, gorf, which resides in the place where it used to be. Ooh, nice. Big gorf. This is, yeah. uh, is Arkad's uh, Oprah moment. It's like, you get a curse, you get a curse, you get a curse, yes. everybody gets the curse. <laughs> <laughs> and afterwards, uh, it's uh, across uh, Kathleen, never look back, except, of course, uh, he leaves Arkad's command behind. 
And that's uh, that troll tribute that the Hjortlings have to pay because they uh, went the easy way, got all the riches from Darahapa without fighting chaos. Mm. And this is the tribute that the Hjortlings of the holy country before it was the holy country before it was to... only in the uh, only in the immediate uh, neighborhood of the holy country now it's all of fair okay and, and and they pay it they pay it to the trolls of the shadow plateau or to just they, to uh, all they trolls? used to pay to the trolls of shadow plateau now the trolls of dagori Inkarth get their share too Ooh, nice yeah and uh initially that wasn't a problem because the dara happens paid for that okay but then the dara happens rebelled and stopped paying but the interest still accumulated, and um, the shadow laws came uh, to collect. Mm. Okay. All of this le uh, led to nasty things like the accountings uh, of uh, this organization being killed by one of their former members, a revengeful killed wife or something like that. And uh, a little later on, there's the big tax slaughter by a guy who is not made king of Orland's land but instead the great living hero of Orland's land. And now we get the weird thing that Lockermeyerdon wanted to have, but didn't get, uh, which is a very great civilized Orlanthi uh, nation living in cities, ruled by enlightened priests who sit in the council and who coordinate things and who uh, keep an eye on what uh, the local kings can do and can't. And that's... Uh, that's uh, that's leading into the Second Age and into another kind of weirdness. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, yes, uh, another thing we can forward Arkad for. Cool. So, yes, uh, how is any of this relevant to your game nowadays? <laughs> well, I mean, to, to me, two things come to mind. I mean, you've got sort of three levels of broadly, like, stuff left over from the past. You've got... Stuff left over from recent history. So that's your stuff left over from the colonization, the recolonization of Dragon Pass a couple centuries yeah. ago or from the Dragon Kill. So that's your sort of, you know, that's when we came back to Dragon Pass and we established this city. Yeah. There is the fairly old sort of like, you know, Glorenthan medieval history, which is the, oh, that's from the EWF or from the gold, the Godlanders, right? So it's like either weird draconic stuff or weird scientific stuff. Sorcerer stuff, yes. Yeah. And then you've got the very old stuff, which is either Arkati, Gbaji War, remnant like ghosts and ruins and leftover yes. monsters and whatnot. I guess there's the fourth level, which is like stuff that comes from before the dawn. Uh, and one thing that I need to think about here is that depending on what kind of GM and players you are, you know, depending on the how how you how you see emergent settings versus lore heavy settings and all that, you could do it either by reading a whole bunch of history about the Gbaji Wars and then yeah. sort of sprinkling that through environmental storytelling through like oh you know there's this ghost here and then there's there's this ruin here and there's this old magic item and as as the player look at each of those independently there's just like you know this old ghost that talks about you know um a, a troll king leading the uh, 
troll or anti-army or whatever. Um, but if you put them together, you sort of see this emerging story of, yes. of an old thing. And you find old friends again. Like, for example, that sword Ironbreaker, which features so big in the Talasville Chronicles. That, that, that was a dwarven weapon uh, made for one of Arkad's lieutenants. Right. But what I mean is that depending on what your approach to a setting is, you can do it two ways. You can either so read all that history and sprinkle it, or you yeah. can do the, the opposite, which is to completely ignore, you know, uh, save several days of your life by not reading any of this <laughs> and just make shit up. The only thing you need to remember, uh, or the only thing you need really is that there was this big war, Arkat, the Min Maxer versus Nysalor, the sun god eliminated guy, right? And you just yeah. make some shit up that like you con you construct yourself that uh that past history. And for the players, it's the same thing. It's just like you find weird cool stuff or you encounter weird cool ghosts and monsters yes. and ruins and things and the only difference is that did the gm make it up on the spot or does it actually tie into you know page 13 of uh, 200 pages of of lore it i mean does it matter well you do, you don't have to play with a guide and you can play uh, you can play in the same corner of dragon pass for uh, years and years to come yeah but i mean in terms of how you approach dropping those hints of the past history, basically. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's it's you could you could argue that you know when you go into a dungeon and it has old Arcati guardians and, uh, and you know Nysalorian monsters and whatnot, you could argue that reason it's there, you know, the 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 historical reasoning as to why it's there oh it's because our cat went by here and stopped here and did this deal with the, yeah. the local deity or whatever you could argue that this is all just you know all just fluff it is just fluff to justify that we just want to go into a dungeon and kill stuff right so which is why yeah. you might say it doesn't matter uh i'm just gonna make up some shit but there are also, I know that there are also other people who very much care about this and, and they might enjoy all of the cameo and um, references and all that. You, you, you may have uh, characters who are researching into those uh, various layers of Glorantan history while they discover artifacts and put them together and discover how they work. Mm -hmm. yep. And the other thing is that Glorantha goes in cycles. And much of the shit that happened to Arkad is going to happen to Argos. Yeah. So I guess the the other thing is you can use the history of of the Gabaji Wars to to hunt and pillage for ideas for yes. your hero wars um, adventures. Yeah. And, yeah. It, it it would be weird not to have uh, things uh, repeat in your game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's it's easier than having to come up with new stuff. So, you know, I'm yeah, all for it. Uh, that's, uh, that's one of the good good things about that, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it matters because you can use it. Do, do you do you have any, you know, your favorite things to recycle and put in the Hero Wars? Well, uh, let's take that uh, miraculous birth in a forest 
uh, raised by elves and so on. Uh, there was this little guy called Morak. We talked about him earlier. Oh, okay. Story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is born in a very dark ritual in the forest. He has a very troubled youth until he uh, goes to the goes to the embrace of Aldria, where he might get illuminated. He might find a sword, and he might come forth as one of the great heroes. Or you may may have to bring him forth from that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, for those who didn't get the reference, you can go back to our episodes on the travels of Bitterian Varrosh, and where yes, we so... read the boxed text from the old supplement um, cults of Prax. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you're playing a little later in the Hero Wars, uh, I think he's uh, left there in 1614. At a couple of years, and he may uh, be there as one of the companions of Agras. Yeah, he, 1625, the RuneQuest timeline, he comes back. He's like, what, 20, mid-20s or something? So, Mid-20s, yeah. uh, towering 2-meter-20 guy <laughs> with massive horns on his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, yeah. Or that weird magician. That's the other way. The weird magician? Yeah, uh, some uh, weird magical powers rather than uh, overtowering physique. Another way to go. Mm, okay, yeah. Anything else that we can recycle? Yeah, well, of course, um, uh, we, uh, you can find spirits uh, and graves and swords with a destiny uh, pushing their wearer uh, somewhere. <laughs> Do you need to pull it out of a, uh, out of a rock? Or, or take it from a grave or out of the grave <laughs> sand? Is, is our grass... Doing the whole multi-classing thing like Arcat is doing? Uh, is is he? Uh, no, he's he's not even uh, joining Humat. Mm, okay, but I mean, you 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 could still recycle that and diverge from from the meta plot because in that case, what I'm thinking of is uh, having the adventurers. Um, but uh, well, he's uh, he's doing all the hero questing stuff, uh, taking uh, ideas from everywhere. So he has Akati yeah. knowledge. He has Luna knowledge. Yeah, and so yeah. that's where I'm I'm thinking you can have the uh, the adventurers act as, um, you know, for example, he needs somebody to help him do some weird ass hero questing stuff that touches upon I don't know, like Isari's myth. And so if you have an Isari's cultist in your in your party, then they get you know, roped up to, um, like hired up to go along with Argrath in his weird yeah. requesting stuff because... Become a Pathfinder and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. All the stuff that Beturian said, no, thank you, without me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, my uh, my players in my game have been invited to go visit Argrath in um, in in Upavis and and they have said no so far, so... <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's when Argrath was still young. That's when that's when he was uh, just like Gareth's sharp sword. Well, uh, they're going to receive an offer they can't refuse. Well, eventually we'll see. I mean, um, <laughs> anyway, um, anyway we, yes. are, we are definitely running out of time. What else do you have to say before we wrap up? Yeah, Arkad's fools were people too. Uh, Arkad's friends will have very strange stories. I could uh, talk for for hours about uh, how the kingdom of Seshnela was f- uh, refounded, mm-hmm. but we need to do more Mapioni basics before that. 
you know, also I, I get the feeling that this is mostly uh, Glorenth and the historian Jörg who wants to talk about this as opposed to um, uh, uh, ga- gaming Jörg. No, uh, this is really um, all this archive reconstitution plans and rallies means that these people actively research the, uh, their origins and they're looking up this stuff and trying to get powers from that. There's actual valuable gaming from that, and uh, hero quest is hero questing is about identification and about knowing things mm. to identify with. So uh, there will be pit, uh, pitfalls, and Arcati know hero questing. They bring knowledge to hero questing, which is different from Hamas method, which is bringing uh, emotion and passion to hero questing. So it's not a skill, but there's knowledge about myths, uh, which is important for jumping around and for uh, making people associate with the wrong identity. Mm-hmm. So if you insist on being light for and, and Yermalio, well, uh, here's me being Orlans or me being Zorak Zoran and say goodbye to your shiny armor and g- go away bleeding. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, know your history, know your enemies, and outsmart them. Cool. Well, hopefully listeners will have uh, either their curiosity will have been picked and they will uh, want to read more about it in the guide and a bit in the source book. It's mostly in the guide that you find a lot of this information. Uh, Or they will uh, even maybe have gotten a few ideas of how to put some cool old Arcati stuff. Um, And if our babbling was not enough, uh, let's give a shout out to... uh, Friendly competitors uh, from the Expl- uh, Exploring Garantha YouTube channel. Yeah. Who are dealing with this stuff as well. <laughs> yes, they uh, just had uh, an episode about the uh, the Gbachi Wars, uh, I think just a couple of days after we released our episode on Arcade. Yep. And they're planning a third one, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I, I wonder if they can get even more obscure than you. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you for babbling about uh, the Gabaji Wars. I uh, at least I learned uh, a bunch of stuff myself. Uh, yeah, and I hope I wasn't too passive this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll talk to you next month then. Until then. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the God Learners. Our website is godlearners.com where you can find episodes, newsletters, and articles about Glorantha. Reach us via email at collective at godlearners.com or via Twitter or Facebook at The God Learners for any questions or feedback. We are The God Learners. Question everything to the void and beyond. <laughs>